Welcome to the Marriage Adventure Podcast, where the journey is the destination. It's the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Well, what's up, everybody? Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Marriage Adventure Podcast. We are so glad to have you here with us today. And today, we have a very special episode. Today, we have some special guests with us today, and I'm going to call them new friends. We've been yeah. chatting a little bit before we started recording, and I've uh, really enjoyed hanging out, and we can't wait for you to hear from them. Well, you may recognize Lucas Black from his most recent role as Special Agent Christopher LaSalle on CBS NCIS New Orleans. That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. That's a lot to say. But if not, you may be more familiar with his movies like Friday Night Lights and Sling Blade and The Fast and the Furious, among many, many others. But what you might not be aware of that we're excited to tell you about today is his personal faith in Christ and his dedication to his wife and three children. We're honored to be joined today by Lucas and his wife, Maggie. So thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you guys for having us. Appreciate it. You hear that, man? There's thousands of people just clapped for you. I hope you heard that. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) So, Lucas, um, so you got your first movie role when you were just 10 years old, right? That's the age of our kids, right? Um, And and you kind of have been in the industry ever since. What was it like growing up in the industry through your teenage years and 20s and all? Yeah. Well, um, I guess first off, I'll say, you know, very, very blessed to be able to um, have the opportunity to uh, grow up in the industry, learned a lot. The Lord has uh, blessed me in many ways um, being in the entertainment business. Um, You know, I grew up in a um, Christian home in Alabama and, um, you know, it's kind of, when I think about it, when I think back being in the business, I'm 37 now. So I was, uh, I've been in it for about 26 years. Um, you know, I guess I'll say to people, it's not as glamorous as you might think it is. You know, um, I think, I think on TV and radio or just how it's portrayed, uh, it seems like it's always red carpet, fancy dresses and, and, um, you getting everything you, you want, um, or, uh, it might seem like you want it at the time because it's, uh, you definitely, there are some, uh, different treatments that you get from, uh, from being an actor, but. Um, you know, it's interesting in our church right now, we're going through, uh, a Daniel, the book of Daniel. And, uh, when I'm, when I'm reading that book and hearing, hearing the messages, you know, I can't help but to think it was like, uh, Daniel was like, <laughs> kind of like me going through a Babylonian culture I love that. You know, because, yeah. uh, because I was exposed to a lot of things at an early age. Uh, by being in the entertainment industry, traveling around the world. And, um, you know, there's some certain ideas and beliefs that definitely uh, agendas that Hollywood has that they try to push that was very, uh, you know, unfamiliar to me and um, didn't really fall in line with with the Bible. So, you know, um, very thankful that I just had good Christian teachings growing up. And, uh, you know, I stayed, I stayed close to, uh, uh, my friends and family at home in Alabama. And so they helped, uh, they helped lead me and guide me through, uh, you know, through a culture that, you know, is, is, um, definitely different than, than what I feel like mm. 
our life should be guided by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So your, your first movie was Sling Blade, is that right? No, there was one before. Oh, The War. The War. Oh, the War. With Evan Costner, yep. That okay. was filmed in Georgia. Okay. And then Sling Blade, which was Bonnie's daddy's favorite movie. All-time yeah. favorite movie. All-time he favorite movie. He loved it. He loved it. And, um, that's what kicked the career off. I think that's where, uh, you know, I started getting recognized more from uh, different agencies. And so that's kind of what kicked the career off with Sling Blade. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, which was with Billy Bob Thornton and, you know, and that's you've right. done several movies with him, I saw. Yep. So yep. was there ever a time where your parents, who was apparently a stabilizing force for you growing up in that, was there ever a time when they just had to sit down with you and say, hey, buddy, what you're seeing in your work and what the Bible says isn't the same? Was there ever that kind of instruction and conversation? You know, I don't really uh, remember one in particular, but I do remember, you know, a lot of times when you're on a movie set, the average time you're working is like three months, three and a half months. Mm -hmm. So you're there for a short period of time. So I think, I think my mom and dad knew that, you know, they had a tremendous trust in the Lord and um, they knew that when we got back home and get in the regular routine of, of going to church and, uh, you know, reading our Bibles uh, daily, that uh, that that word, that foundation was going to take deep root, uh, you know, in me as a youngster. And thankfully it did. But I think there were times where, you know, she noticed that I would see things going on uh, on set or, um, or some things that were being said. Maybe, you know, some people were using some uh, vulgar language and profanity that, um, um, I, it, she knew how I responded that we don't talk that way. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, I, I remember, um, you know, get uh, talking to a director, you know, he, he would slip up every now and then and, and maybe he wasn't, you know, talking to me directly, but he would say a curse word while I might say something to him about it. Like, hey, man, I'm standing right here. So, <laughs> but he started paying me a dollar. He had a little jar. So, like, every time every time he slipped up, <laughs> he had a little jar that he would put a, he would put a dollar in. So you probably uh, made more money from that than you did actually acting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't get into that. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think my parents and my mom, she, she's the one that went with me, you know, when I was, when I was younger. Uh, you know, they had tremendous trust in the Lord and just um, they saw how I reacted to it and just, uh, I guess, felt like I was hopefully on the right path. Yeah. yeah. God, what a great, Bonnie, what a great uh, lesson your parents, uh, Lucas, gave uh, give all of us as, as parents of young kids. It's that proverb, you know, just raise your kids up in the way they should go. Yeah. And it'll provide that infrastructure they need, man. Yeah. Good for yeah. them. Kudos. Now, I got another very serious question. How much of the actual driving and racing did you get to do in the Fast and Furious movies? How? Well, uh, I wanted to do a lot more than they, than they let me. But uh, the way the production worked, they they had two different units and the and the second unit was usually the stunt drivers and then the first unit was uh usually all the acting scenes and dialogue scenes so a lot of times while we were working uh doing the the dialogue scenes in in one area the drivers were doing all the stunt scenes in another but um 
you know, every now and then I would get Justin Lynn, who's the director. I would, I would get him, you know, I'm like, Hey man, I know how to drift. You know, <laughs> they, they taught, they taught me how to drift. Uh, we went to Irwindale Speedway in California two weeks before we started shooting and they just, we had the best uh, teachers. They were all the drift champions in the past because they have like a drift competition. So Reese Millen is one of them. And he, he does like all the commercials now and all the drifting on, on television. Um, I'm sure pe- people may not know his name, but they've seen his face. Um, he taught me how to drift. So I was taught by the best. That's cool. <laughs> it was like, I, you know, I was 24 years old at the time. So I'm itching. I'm like, just, just let me do it. Just let me do it. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but you know, for insurance reasons and lots of other reasons, yeah. uh, they, they didn't want me to do it. But there was one time where we had a scene when we put, uh, it's the scene where we put the Skyline engine in the old Ford Mustang, the Shelby Mustang. Mm. And, um, and we're practicing where the, the scene is, is we're practicing through the mountains after we we're tuning up the car after we put this engine in and Justin Lynn comes up to me and he's like, now's your opportunity. <laughs> I was like, yes. So they were following me or I was following them. The camera was in front of me and uh, on a, on a truck, it was like a crane. They had the camera up on the crane. And so I got to do a little bit of drifting in that scene on my own. And so I was like, finally, thank you. <laughs> yes. Darn insurance and liability gets That's us every right. time. Exactly. Well, <laughs> since this is a marriage podcast, we want to talk with you and Maggie about your marriage. But before we dive into that, we want to pause for a quick lightning round to get to know you a little bit better in less than two minutes. All right. This is lightning round. I'm going to ask you as many questions as you can answer in two minutes. So from one actor to another, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Where's the coolest location you've ever filmed? Uh, Georgia. <laughs> the first movie I filmed was in Georgia. What's the most fun role you've ever played? Uh, well, um, I guess I'll have to go with Tokyo Drift just because I got to drive fast cars when I was 24 years old. <laughs> and what, got paid to do it. What character that you've played is the most like you in real life? Oh, I guess Agent LaSalle, sort of. (laughs) Which is the least like you? Hmm. Well, I played an autistic character in a a movie called Killer Diller, and that's the movie I met my wife on, Maggie. What's the one role that you wanted that got away? Uh, Actually, I've been none of them. When you met Maggie, was it love at first sight or did your relationship build slowly? Uh, It was love at first sight for me. For her, it built slowly. (laughs) (laughs) What what is your idea of the perfect date night with Maggie? Hmm, perfect date night. Well, it was spontaneous. A lot of times we just went bowling or had fun. Oh, my idea of one. Yeah. Uh, Me cooking. What's your wedding anniversary? Uh, July 3rd, 2010. If you had one last meal on this earth, what would it be? That would be deer, venison, backstrap with mashed potatoes and a salad. 
Today we have husband and wife Lucas and Maggie Black on the phone with us. And since this is a marriage podcast, we really want to dig in a little bit into their marriage. So. All right. So you kind of hit this with, with uh, Josie and Lightning Round, but tell us how you guys met. I'll let you tell it. Okay. <laughs> His voice sounds nicer than mine. No, <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, Maggie, Maggie's from Missouri and I'm from Alabama, but, um, I was just saying that because I have a deeper accent, Southern accent, in case you couldn't tell. But, um, <laughs> we, um, so I was, I, I, there was an independent film that I, I had the opportunity of doing and it was being filmed in, in Missouri. The, the writer was from Missouri, the director, she was, she was from, uh, uh, Missouri. And so, um, Maggie was going to school there and, uh, she was, well, let me start off. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell it. Uh, so I was working in a restaurant during hold on, college. Hold on, hold on. We might need to start off for, for editing. No, you're good. <laughs> tell We're tell keeping all of this clear. in. This is great communication. Oh no. no. <laughs> <It's real time. laughs> I was working in a restaurant during college and it was just my second week of work. And Lucas's whole cast came in for this independent film for it, like a kickoff dinner. And, um, we didn't know, see my perspective is a little different than his probably, but we didn't know, uh, what it was about or what the movie was about or anything like that. But, um, when Lucas came, uh, I hadn't, I didn't know any of his, I didn't know who he was. I thought he was, he was with his brother and his friend and the three of them, uh, looked like trouble. <laughs> and the reason, the reason, can I just clarify? Yes. The reason is I played an autistic character in the movie killer diller. And, uh, we decided that he had a rock, you know, that was kind of like his, his deal. And that he was a musician too. Yeah, so musician, like, and I, and I kind of had a, a constant, you know, sway like back and forth. And so they thought it would be genius if they gapped up my hair like I was rocking while I had a haircut. And so I personally thought, how am I going to cover this up? And so I wore a, I was 20 years old. And so I thought it would be cool like to wear a do-rag, like a biker do-rag. So I had an American flag biker do-rag, uh, you know, on my head. Hello. When I first met Maggie, so she thought awesome. I was a she thought I was a punk. Uh, no, this was a nice restaurant, and no one in Mid Missouri wears a do rag. I mean, no one, hardly anywhere in Missouri wears a do rag. So who does this guy think he is? And, and he was trying to be charming. She thought I was smiling. faking my accent. I thought his accent was fake, and he was making fun of people from Missouri. It was a disaster, were. fellas. It was a disaster. I, so she, we, it was kind of like a buffet line is how they were serving our our party, the dinner party. And so I was in, I was getting dessert, and it was totally gone. This was the first time I started talking to me. And so I'm, we're talking, and she's with her friend. We're having a conversation. And she looks up at me and she goes, cause I'm eating. And she goes, you know, it's rude to eat over the buffet line. And so I'm like, Oh, it's like that. It's like that. And so then I walk away. Which I have oh, to say, I'm not a stickler for rules like that. I don't care at all. I just thought he really thought he was something. So, <laughs> so I walk away and I'm like, you know what? 
I'm going to give it another chance. She's, she is, she is too good looking for me to let that, for let that to, you know, stop me from trying again. So I built up the courage. I ripped off the do rag cause I knew it had to be the do rag. It wasn't me that she was mad at. It was this stupid do rag on my head. So I went up to her without the do rag, had a conversation and then she was willing and pleasant and talked to me and that's how it started. But I, now I have to tell you one more thing. <laughs> when when we were leaving that night, like I was leaving, we were done with work and he was waiting for his brother or something and sitting in the parking lot in his truck. And I hadn't eaten for a while since it was kind of a long shift and they had cake left over. So I had this huge piece of cake. It wasn't a piece of cake. It was like a fourth of a sheet cake. <laughs> it was huge. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go home and eat this cake. And <laughs> I'm in the parking lot and he goes, hey, Hey, what, come on over here or something. And he wanted to, wanted to talk. I went over to his truck and just out of courtesy, he goes, what do you got there? I said, some cake. Do you want to, do you want some? And he goes, sure. And Lucas, he eats really healthy. I mean, maybe not at this time, but he isn't a sweets person really. And he ate that whole piece of cake and it was kind of, that's right. it was out of spite, it was, <laughs> but it, but it impressed her. But I thought, the gall on this guy to just like eat this whole piece of cake. There was, was no fork. I ate it with my hand. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just kind of funny. I thought he, sh he surely doesn't care about, you know, certain, I don't know what, what I thought. And I thought that was kind of funny. So the way you answered that question with Josie, it was love at first sight for you, but for you, Lucas, but not for you, Maggie. Right? That makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> please tell me, please tell me you still have the do-rag. Uh, oh, I don't know. But our daughter's Maggie, a patriot. We have plenty of American flag other stuff. There Maggie you probably burnt the do-rag. <laughs> probably burnt it. I love it. Well, yeah. you guys have been married for 10 years. And so, Maggie, you've been behind the scenes married to a celebrity for, for your entire relationship. What's that been like for you to be, you know, as his wife and, and now mother? I have to say, this is probably a different answer than what people expect just because Lucas is not what people would consider a stereotypical celebrity. Mm -hmm. He's not, um, he's not like a, I mean, he's confident, but he's, he's not someone that you think of as a diva that you have to, yeah, you know, pet. And, mm -hmm. and boost their ego all the time. He's I like it when you do. Pick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a marriage podcast, so feel free. you can you can talk no, things like you, that. It's you, only you. married people listening. Well, I do have to say though, he's very he's very confident in who he is, so he doesn't need me to bring that to him. Mm -hmm. um, even though he, you know he likes to hear encouragement and all, but I it's been it's been really good for me in a couple of ways. Um, one way is that, and you know, you can take this as you will, and it kind of sounds like I'm bragging, but because people think it's cool to be a celebrity, mm -hmm. they go out of their way to be nice to me mm. and uh, just by proxy. Yeah. And so it kind of, and that might be phony, but it takes a lot of pressure off that I think a lot of women feel as far as trying to um, impress other people with what they have or what their husbands do or what they make or something. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of that in, in, in and amongst women, like the competitiveness maybe to impress others. Yeah. And I don't feel like I have to do that at all. Now that's not necessarily good that they look at the fact that 
I'm married to a celebrity and, and think um, that maybe they're going to give me the benefit of the doubt on things or something. But it sure makes it easy for me to be able to say what I want in a lot of respects and do what I want and not have to worry about the repercussions. Well, I shouldn't say the repercussions, but not have to worry about how people are going to think of me yeah. and uh, what's going to impress them. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives me a little bit more uh, freedom with being able to not do stuff to impress others. Yeah, I guess. that's a great. It's almost like I have a leg up that way. It's terrible, and it yeah. should. I mean, it's terrible to think you have a leg up that way, but it lets me be more honest. I think. Yeah. In a lot of ways, and the other thing is. Um, I, I think it gives me a little bit more courage and confidence because I don't feel like I have to compete and it's, mm. you know, I, I kind of feel, and, and then, uh, and then I also feel like I have to be at the same time, a little accountable to Lucas is an honorable man. And I think he portrays himself as a Christian and wants that to be seen and understood by other people. And so I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that or, um, make our family look bad. And I don't think it's phony, but it's, a. I think it's nice to have a little accountability, especially yeah. with all the social media now where people can say whatever they want. No one mm-hmm. thinks that they have to live with it or no one, you know, they don't have a direct relationship with someone. So I like having that accountability too. Yeah. For well, a good. Yeah. So, so this is a question Bonnie has always wanted to ask um, an actor or an actor's wife, spouse in, I think you're going to get an opportunity to get an answer. Yeah, well, as as a Christian, I've always wondered, like with the, you know, if your if your husband is having to do scenes that with another woman, how does that affect you? How do you guys work through that, knowing you know he's married to you, and then having as as a Christian, how do you work through that? Especially together? an intimate scene. Yeah. Yeah, I I think. Um, do you want me to talk? To Absolutely. You? Go ahead. Uh, firstly, Lucas has. Um, He's incredibly loyal mm-hmm. and he, I've never ever questioned his loyalty or dedication as a husband, or this could have been more in question when we were dating because I wasn't, um, as strong in my relationship with God as I'd say I am now, mm-hmm. not like I don't have anywhere to go, but mm-hmm. definitely, uh, it would have come in more at that time. And at that time, Lucas thought it was wrong to portray that kind of thing. If it were, he's, he's always kind of made it a stipulation of his that he didn't want to have scenes like that. And he wanted to be um, loyal to me. And at the time I actually thought it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I was like, just go do your part and don't lose this job because you're, you want to fight about a kissing scene mm-hmm. or something. And I'm not saying it wouldn't have bothered me. It probably would have. But at the time, I knew how strongly he felt about it not being a a right way to convey a relationship. And that gave me a lot of security, a whole lot of security. But I do think there there was a time I know in um, Friday Night Lights when he had to do uh, it had to look like he'd had a scene and. I, and I felt like I was out of the loop because I think the director or somebody, I can't even really remember how that went down, but they didn't want me around during that time. And it was kind of just like he had to act like he was pulling his pants up or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and maybe from behind. It like didn't show anything more than that. But at the time it really bothered me because I felt like I was not told yeah. or uh, something was going on and I didn't know. But again, like he never gave me any reason to believe that he um, was interested in any of the girls he's worked with. And that gave me kind of a sense of confidence that, yeah. you know, he has that available to him in a lot of respects, not just with, not, not with actresses necessarily all the time, but with just the general population and chooses, chooses to not let that enter his mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I, or, or chooses not to entertain that at all. And so that gives me a whole lot of security and makes me then feel like a more valued wife or a more valued girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's rare. I think that, I think all that is rare because I've seen many others in his field who feel like they have to um, make everybody like them, Mm -hmm. no matter the cost of that. So I love the question. And uh, while Maggie was talking, I'm so, I'm so thankful that, um, you know, she felt loved and trusted and valued and felt like I was faithful toward her. Uh, you know, that makes me feel good. But there was two things that come to mind um, while she was talking and, and um, I'll cover one really doesn't pertain. Well, I guess it does pertain to marriage, but it's basically, I never felt comfortable with uh, sex scenes in a movie or on a television show. And the main reason was because uh, I just felt like it promoted sexual immorality. Most of the time, uh, the character that was involved, there was no repercussions. And then later there was no, like you did a lot of times the way the, the, the story was written, there wasn't any kind of, um, uh, recourse that, uh, or, you know, get, you never did see any kind of guilt or shame. It was almost glorified that yeah. there was either sex outside of marriage or that that was, uh, that that was going on in the story and as a relationship. So number one, that made me feel uncomfortable because I was convicted by the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And so there's been times actually that, um, there's been parts that I have turned down because, because of that reason. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, uh, been times where I've, I've had to put, you know, um, do sex scenes where I just felt like it wasn't, it wasn't shedding a good light on how God wants us to live morally. So immorally, I felt like it was, it was, it was wrong. So I was always convicted. I always had tried to have those conversations with the directors. And then um, also I think, you know, as a man, the Bible talks about, it's good to know, um, your, your weaknesses and, and that's wise. And so I just didn't want there to be any kind of like, um, I guess feelings that might want to creep in or temptation uh, from being, from being in, from being in an intimate scene with with another actress, you know? So, uh, so it's tough. It's tough. It was tough on me. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, lot of prayer, um, a lot of prayer time for me asking, asking the Lord to lead me and guide me and what to do and how to have these conversations and even have, how to have them, uh, with my wife. Um, 
you know, and so I tried to be intentional mm-hmm. of letting Maggie know that she is the number one person in my life. Yeah. No one else is. And that this is, this is, uh, fake, even though I may not agree with it, that the acting in the scene is fake, make believe. And there, that there aren't any kind of, uh, feelings there yeah. toward, toward that person. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an uncomfortable thing, you know, yeah. and it's definitely something that when projects come, come, come up, you know, I look at those scenes and see how it's being portrayed, uh, in the project. Um, yeah. yeah, I do have to add one further thing. I, I think some of this, I forget because I don't watch them like the, yeah. really? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was trying to think when he was saying this, I was like, well, what would he even say that about? And now I do recall there are times where he's had kissing scenes or something, especially like more recently, maybe on NCIS. And I just didn't watch them because I yeah. know where my mind might go. And I yeah. know it means nothing to him. Yeah. And I know uh, that for him, when he does do uh, certain things in a show, you know, it is just very um, de-romanticized. You know, it's like, over and over maybe on a in front of a whole bunch of people it's not like yeah. it looks on the screen and so some of them I just don't look because I know I will maybe make something out of something that's not there and yeah. that's just yeah. not healthy for me so just to guard your own mind yeah yeah, yeah. well and I can only imagine how difficult it is that to navigate that and to be able to work through that with producers and all of that because you're very outspoken about your faith mm-hmm. um and how has that been received in that environment? I mean, when you have to say, I, you know, I can't do that. I'm a, you know, I, I follow the Lord. And how has that been received your testimony there? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, mo- most of the time it's received with respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time it's received, uh, really well. Um, and, and people can respect that about you. And so, um, I think a lot of times, and, and this is, you know, I'm talking about myself, including myself, we can get, we can uh, be afraid to express our faith mm-hmm. or share it, uh, because we think, oh, we might, uh, lose our job or we know it's going to be, there might be some, um, you know, confrontation there, you know, yeah. a little bit, you know, and there could be some conflict of interest, because, uh, you know, this is affecting, um, the storyline or the project or the show It's affecting their business, you know? So, um, you know, I think the enemy want to wants to keep us from expressing our faith, you know, to taking those steps to really take a leap of faith and talking about, um, you know, how the Holy Spirit's guiding us and what God's uh, called us to do, you know, and, uh, and how to live. And so, um, you know, I was, I was always surprised that when, uh, I built up the courage to say something that you never, you never feel bad about it. You never regret that. Mm -hmm. Even if, even if there is some confrontation Mm -hmm. and even if, you know, even if it comes back that you might, um, let's say suffer some repercussions, you know, there might be some jobs where they say, well, we can't, we can't hire you, you know, or you can't yeah. play this, play this role. Um, you never regret that, mm. you know, and, or, or I didn't. And so, um, 
so I, you know, that encouraged me as I got older and, uh, you know, my, my faith in the Lord got stronger and, um, you know, I became more bold about, uh, letting them know what I was comfortable with and not comfortable with. And even if it, even, <laughs> even as the show went on, uh, you know, cause I had a longer relationship with people on the television show, even if things didn't pertain to my character, if it was just pertaining to the show, the storyline of that particular episode, uh, you know, I would ask questions, you know, about, about, you know, what, what's, trying to be portrayed here and where this is leading to um, because I just felt like it was some, some things that weren't healthy for, you know, uh, yeah. uh, people to see. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that's good. That's good. It seems like you've been very uh, intentional about, and we talk about this on the podcast a lot about creating a safe haven in within your marriage. Yeah. And it sounds like with you, Maggie, that intentionality that Lucas put in, creating that connection with you, assuring you where his heart is, where his mind is, where his time is, created that safe haven for you of trust and, and all through this. So what what kind of stress has the industry put on your family? Because I can only imagine the challenges of balancing career and family. And you said it, usually you're on set for months on end or weeks on end filming. How have you guys balanced that? What kind of stress has that put? Go first. Sure. Because okay. we, I think we, we have different stresses maybe with yep. this, but um, we see Lucas. I I felt like everything was always really good because we would see him all the time, and he would work really long weeks, and he might work fourteen hour days a lot. But the way they were set, you know, he might be working through the night, so we'd still see him in the day. Now this was hard for him because it was like so much time. Um, that he was being strained, you know, in different directions, but this was the time he had to work the most when he was on movie sets, I would always be with him. And that was just fun for me. You know, we didn't have children yet. Yeah. And so I just thought it was fun. Uh, I'd get to be around him and it was pretty easy or I was in law school. And so I was pretty occupied with that. Um, maybe when he'd be on other movies, but we were pretty much together a lot. Uh, and then when he started the TV show, um, NCIS, that was when he had a lot of his really busy working days, but we had three children within five years. And wow. so That's busy. I was really, so I was busy. So that occupied me as well. And so probably I wasn't, I probably wasn't as, um, sensitive to it or to like the time away as I would have been had I had more time on my hands. Uh, so, so to me, I felt like it worked out well. The children were also so young yeah. that they either that, you know, they think their dad's around all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, or, or like I said, he'd be home for breakfast and then um, they'd see him, but then, you know, they, our kids were stellar nappers. Uh, <laughs> good for you. Most, most of the day and all of the night. And so I felt like, you know, they, they saw, I felt like they saw him a lot. Now, really, he felt like he didn't see them a lot because he was gone a lot. Mm. But it was during times they were asleep or I was asleep or something. Yeah. Um, and then we realized later maybe how much strain that put on things <laughs> that we didn't have 
a relationship as much mm-hmm. that didn't deal with just probably scheduling, yeah. you know, managing yeah. the kids, which I think a right. lot of couples deal with that, whether it's extracurricular or whatever, that they're, they're always dealing with trying to, okay, but when do we make time for us? Yes. Um, so the so. stress maybe wasn't seen until later yeah. uh, as much. And I think it worked out wonderfully actually, because it drove Lucas closer in his relationship with God. Cause he was mm. constantly um, seeking a stronger relationship with God. And I, I felt like I was always behind, honestly, mm. with that. And so that might have made me think he's got all this going on and I don't feel part of that. And then it, and then that put a lot of strain on our marriage as far as uh, a disconnect where I then felt like we were, I mean, we had, we had a hard time. And I, I think a hard time, like mentally for me, where I'd feel like we didn't have any kind of connection. Mm-hmm. And then I started going to a Bible study, had never been to one. And then we started talking to a pastor at a church and uh, everything got really great after that year, you know, a few years of, yeah. of that, but man, it really helped. Otherwise I would have never even probably sought trying to have more of a relation relationship with God. Cause I just, always think it all works out everything's working out but it wasn't and I just didn't admit that or or realize it until uh things got to where I felt like I was beating my head against a wall and then um that's when that's when we sought God I I because of his leadership you know but um it's made all the difference. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things that comes to mind when I want to uh, talk about the stress of the entertainment industry putting on uh, our marriage. And for me, I think the number one thing is uh, the fast paced energy It's so fast paced, like uh, especially NCIS, a television show, network television, um, you're doing um, 24 episodes in a season, uh, you know, and it's a marathon and each, uh, episode is eight working days. Mm. And, uh, most of the time, every single day is the 12 hour day. Um, now, now for the, so for the first two seasons, you know, when they're trying to get the audience used to the characters, you work a lot more, you know, so my working schedule got, uh, you know, less was less hours as, you know, each season went, went on, but that still didn't take away the fact that it was a uh, very fast pace and it was constantly on my mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, you know, as a man and I'm trying to stay in God's word, you realize the responsibilities you have as a husband and a father And there were some times that I feel like I couldn't, um, you know, feel those responsibilities, do those responsibilities because of my job. And I couldn't focus on them as much as I wanted to. So there was a lot of time and prayer really digging in, uh, trying to figure out how to, um, you know, manage being a husband and father while being in this, in this industry and the way it, the way it works, the way it's run. And, um, you know, for me, for me, I just felt like no matter how hard I tried to stay on God's pace to, you know, pray about slowing things down, 
and also trying to keep work at work and be a father and husband at home or be a husband and father at home, those things, uh, it was hard, it was hard to do. You know, that's not easy. That's not easy. And, and, um, and to me, I always look at how the industry, the entertainment industry in particular is run. It makes it, it makes it really difficult for someone to do that. Mm. And I've kind of observed that over the years. I know it may sound like I'm, I'm talking negatively about the entertainment industry, but there is a great concern because you can see how uh, mentally and physically draining it is on actors, directors, crew members. I don't care who's in it, what job you have. You know, it's hard to have a, in my opinion, what I felt like, what God had put on my heart, my vision of a healthy family life, that was hard to do in the entertainment industry. And there wasn't really anyone I could look to in the industry or that I saw an example of that had that. Hmm. And so to me, that was always a big concern for me. And so I, I knew going in, or I say I knew, I had this thought going into the television show that this is not going to last forever. Mm. I can't expect me to be on this television show and have this job and to have the family life, have the relationship with my wife, be the husband that God's called me to be to her, be the father that he's called me to be to my children and continue to do the television show or to be, uh, you know, in that industry for a long period of time. Mm. It's hard to do to me, to me, it's hard for me to see it working, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, which I'm sure shocked a lot of people. Cause it, a lot of people try so hard to get into that industry. And mm-hmm. then in January, you just stepped away from NCIS to spend more time with your family. And, yes. Yes. um, I'm sure that shocked a lot of people because you were at a, a, you know, at a great place in your career. You had been there for five years on that show. Is that right? Yep. So, uh, I started the sixth season and I did a quarter of that season. So 125 episodes. So I th- how was that received? I think we've kind of heard maybe what led to that decision, but what, what really brought you to guys together to that decision to, to step away and how did that go? Well, I can tell you my perspective from what Lucas said, uh, you know, I would hear him talk about it all the time and I felt like it ultimately had to be his decision. Um, I always felt like things were fine. Like I said, it wasn't until later that I, that I maybe thought, Oh, maybe that did take a toll. Mm -hmm. But during the time that he decided to step away and all that, I was thinking, uh, you know, it was okay everything was working out. The people on the show were really good to him. Well, can I make one comment about how you felt? There was one- <laughs> Tell me how I felt. <laughs> there, was, there was one time I remember while, while I was in the show, I can't remember what season it was, but you know, we were trying to uh, be intentional about spending time together. So it was, it was planned out like, Hey, let's try to have, either a date night or time that we sit down and just talk for an hour when the kids go to bed 30 minutes. And so it was kind of like, it was different for us cause it was structured and yeah. it was hard, you know, and it was, it was, uh, it was difficult for us cause we, we really did things spontaneously, you know? 
And uh, the time that we spent together was just supposed to happen. Not like we had to really set it in stone and, and, and make a plan, a schedule. Yeah. for it. And, um, and so we were doing that and spending some time together. And there were, there were one time I made a comment to Maggie. I was like, really everything that I'm doing, and I'm not saying this was a good comment, but this is what was going on in my head. Everything I was doing was to prepare myself to perform well on the job. Mm. Right. Okay. And that hurt Maggie's feelings mm. because then she felt like the time that we were spending together wasn't, was it to, for our relationship, wasn't because I, you know, uh, wanted to really, I don't know if she took it like hear what she had to say or get closer to her. It was, she looked at it as, I feel like I have to do it because uh, to get ready to prepare for my job, (laughs) you know, you know, and then the, and then the sense, you know, I did, I did feel like, well, I'm trying to keep our relationship strong and healthy. So it was like a, a, a plan that I wanted to implement a schedule for us, but it was because I knew if we didn't have that schedule, then there probably wasn't going to be any time we spend together. And then I wasn't going to feel comfortable on the job. Right. You know, I was going to constantly be at work thinking about my wife. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I do remember that now. Cause he did say Lucas, when he get his personality is when he gets into something or he says he's going to do something, he does it like 800%. I mean, unbelievably. I don't know those kind of people. Yeah. yeah, they're really annoying. <laughs> and so he, sorry, Daniel. Yeah. You're annoying. <laughs> You're not the first to tell me that. And I mean, I mean, with everything he does, mm-hmm. he gets, he hears something, he's all in. Eat healthy, all healthy, all the time. Get rid of this, get rid of this. You know, it's very tunnel vision. Uh, Oh man. Uh-huh. And it, and that dedication, I really admire cause I don't have it, mm-hmm. but it is hard to live with as a spouse mm-hmm. and it's all good things, which I'm fortunate, you know, that it's all good things that he's trying to implement, but you know, that's just rough. <laughs> <laughs> what? Daniel, what? Daniel. This is not I see you. No I see you giving giving Bonnie a pat on the back over there in the Zoom call. I had to ask myself, and I was faced with this question: Am I driven or am I selfish? And where do I fall in that? And I think we did an episode on we that did, because yeah. it hits so close to home. But, Man, yeah. and I, and yeah, so it does. And and he said when he said that, he said I you know, I think about work all the time. It's not like he thinks about work in, and I know this. And so I shouldn't let it get to me. I know he doesn't think about work as in how do I come across to my fans or other people or society? It's more Lucas battles with anything he thinks is not a good moral message Mm. that he's putting out Mm -hmm. and he doesn't have control over the content, but he does have control over whether he does it or not. And that, but when he thinks about, you know, what it provides for his family and what he can do as far as a voice, and this is a whole nother subject, but what he can do as far as a voice in an industry that doesn't know God, Mm -hmm. 
um, he thinks, should I be there? This is, you know, where Jesus needs people. But at the same time, he thinks, is this hurting other things that should be my priority in life. So it's a, it's a hard, yeah. it was a, it was a struggle Balance. for him to decide yeah. what to do. Yeah. It was a huge struggle. And every night <laughs> he would go to bed thinking about it. He would write letters to the president of CBS <laughs> about, I'm sure that guy thinks he's off his rocker. <laughs> but but um, anyway, he, he was a strong voice and here I am, I should, and I tried to be supportive, but at the same time, I'm like, Oh, you can't say that. Oh, you know, I was letting society creep in and tell me, you know, or, you know, you have a platform here and if you do that, you're going to lose it. And, you know, just all kinds of different things you balance. And so I think that, um, I forget what the original question was. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> no, I mean, not that it wasn't a good question. I'm just being your talk. Yeah. Oh, but it was stress on, uh, yeah. What oh, came to that? What came to that decision to walk away? Yes. And so I said, you know, I wanted him to be at peace, but he, he was, so I, I basically left it kind of said, whatever you think, because yeah. I know that Lucas is seeking God first and trying mm-hmm. to get an answer from God. And so who am I to say, Oh, wait, wait, uh, let's just keep doing this or, Oh no, no, you need to stop. You know? Mm-hmm. So I felt really confident yeah, with whatever supportive. he would decide because yeah. I knew he was doing it with God as his guide, you yeah. know, and I was praying that he would you know, hear from God clearly and that nothing would be misinterpreted. And, you know, that, that's only just has to be faith. Cause I don't, you know, I don't know. I I was just praying that he would decide and be happy with what he had decided, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I told him either way you decide this, you're going to be happy with it. I think because he's going to see the good in either decision. It's not that there is a wrong choice here. Mm. You know, he can make both choices, a right choice. Mm. Yeah. It's just how he look, how he's going to look at it. And yeah. honestly, when we went into the show, he said he was going to do it two years and he did wow. it longer. Than that. Yeah. The show, the show was good to us. You know, the people we worked with were uh, uh, very nice. And um, so, you know, here in new Orleans, we saw, uh, you know, God doing a, a work in us um, that, you know, things were going good. And so um, we just felt like it, that we extended our time on the show because of that, you know, uh, I think there was a couple of reasons, you know, uh, more than, more than just one, uh, this, you know, reason to, to decide to leave the show. Uh, the main, the main reason was, uh, you know, for, to, I felt like my time there had, uh, been long enough. We had sacrificed enough time away from, each other, Maggie and I, as, as a as a marriage, we sacrificed enough uh, of our relationship that I wanted to spend more time with her, and then also uh, be there for my children, um, be a you know a father to them. We sacrificed enough time for that, um, you know. And there were many things that God helped us along the way to be able to make that decision. Uh, you know, we were we made a plan financially where we wanted to be. And I think that, that, uh, was a, was a, um, huge weight off our shoulders. Once we reached that part, uh, in our lives to make that kind of decision. And, uh, that made it a little easier. 
And uh, so we, we were blessed. Yeah. We were blessed. God was leading us. Uh, you know, we, our, our faith become stronger with him to be able to make this kind of decision to take a leap of faith and to move in a different direction, whatever he's got planned for us next. We really don't know that yet. Um, I, you know, I really don't know that yet, but we're still praying and trusting. We decided to take a year. Maggie was like, you should just take a year, take a year of rest. And, um, and so basically that's what I've done. It's taken a year sabbatical Mm -hmm. to be able to stay in God's word and stay in prayer and uh, spend that family time that we wanted to. Like since the lockdown, we've uh, we've traveled over 14 states. So I, that lets you know uh, that lets you know how much we've been locked down. Uh, but we've had a blast, you know, spending time, spending family time together, seeing different parts of the of the country uh, of God's creation, and um, so we're just seeking Him. Yeah. Whatever whatever He's got next for us. And, uh, you know, he, he's blessed us in many ways and, uh, we're just, we're just thankful to have him in our lives. I, I, I want to add one thing to that <laughs> just cause, um, I hear so many people say stuff like this and it kind of gets me mad because, um, Lucas, come on, tell it <laughs> when he talks about, uh, financially, we made a goal and he was really I think to credit for all of this, but he started listening to Dave Ramsey and he started um, being very intentional about uh, being a steward of God's money. And I think so many people say, Oh, well you make a lot of money, so you don't have to worry about money. But we know so many people in his industry who make a lot of money who are stressed about money because they don't, Uh, manage it well. And I think this is so important for married couples, married couples who are earning a lot and married couples who aren't earning a lot to pay attention to that. Because I know so many mothers who are stressed that they'd like to maybe stay home with their children or do something different, but they have Mm -hmm. to have dual income because they need to have new granite countertops or something, Mm -hmm. something that I, I feel like, um, it's just an excuse uh, because you can manage your money well, whether you make a lot or not. And I I know that sounds callous because I'm coming from somewhere where my husband made a lot, Mm -hmm. but we're both from families who didn't necessarily make a lot and either managed well or managed poorly. And it makes all the difference. And you can, you can take accountability for that, take it to your Mm -hmm. own hands and have a whole lot more to say for your free time and, um, what you can do if you're actually uh, a little self-disciplined with your spending and your money. That's good. That is so good. One of the things that I just keep hearing from you over and over, and we talk about it a lot on the podcast, and sometimes I think I I feel like a broken record, but – I can, it's very evident in your relationship that you both individually walk with the Lord and you're seeking his heart. And I know that when Daniel's seeking the Lord, I can trust his decision-making. I can trust he's seeking God more than he is, even what, how this will make me comfortable. And if I, if I follow that lead, and if I'm listening to the Lord myself, that it's going to be okay if we walk away from this endeavor or that. Mm-hmm. And if you're following the Lord as a couple, he's going to lead you in it to where you're supposed to be. And there will be peace in that. And yeah, I love, I love how you came upon God's will for that because so many people ask, how do I find God's will? God's will for us is Christ. Mm-hmm. His will for us is to be in Christ 
And as long as we're abiding in him and he gives us that promise as you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit and we'll hear he's always speaking. We just got to put our ear next to his voice. And, um, and so I love that you just abide in him. You walked with him. You heard his voice. You were obedient. Yeah. And, um, and you're not fearful. Some lightning bolt's going to come down if you made the wrong decision. That's either right. It's like you said, Maggie, either decision's going to be right. That's right. And, um, and he's, he's honoring that because you're, you're seeking his heart. So before we wrap up today, what would you hope to offer couples who might be at a point in their marriage where they're just really struggling and maybe they find themselves in a pit that they can't see how to get out of? Well, I think um, we just touched base on it right there with some of the things you said. Uh, number one, we got we, we have to put God first. Mm-hmm. He has to be first in our lives in every area, every arena in our life. We have to go to him and ask him uh, about it, what his will is. And, um, you know, I think I think for us. For Maggie and I, you know, when we when we're going through struggles, it, and and I guess I'll I'll speak to the men out there. Um, for me, it really helped me to seek godly counsel, to talk to my pastors, uh, ask them the tough questions. What sometimes I had to swallow my pride a little bit and tell them things weren't going uh, well. Uh, here's something that I'm dealing with. Here's something that I'm struggling with. And, um, you know, we, get, we, get, we got to be held accountable, you know. And I, that, when I actually started doing that, it really had a huge impact on my wife as far as the, the trust that she had in me because she knew that I was uh, being held accountable mm-hmm. by godly leadership, you know, and, um, and both of us even would have, you know, we would ask some of our pastors were so grateful for, uh, pastor David Madden and Sarah Madden here at church of the King. I mean, they, they've, um, walked with us, they've met with us and you got to have those, you got to have those meetings, um, because it just opens up things and it's good to have someone else to look look at your relationship and to guide you uh, hopefully in a godly direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. I, mm-hmm. think. So I good. think that's good. We, we've talked to our pastor and his wife and they've been very helpful. And I, I also wanted to say that um, because this has come up a lot with some of my friends and, and relatives that are thinking about divorce or separation and I think it's important. And Lucas and I decided this when he read something about it, that we were, that divorce was not going to be an option. And I think so many people, uh, if they, they might, they might entertain that that's always an option. And I think that they're throwing in a towel mentally right there. And that just gives the devil so much room to work, um, and think, well, this is, if things don't go the way you expect by this time, then you always have this out. And, if you realize that your marriage is going to last and it's going to last no matter what, 
then you're going to get through any yeah. other season or any other hardships because you know you can see the end. The end result is that you're together. Yeah. And that makes it so much easier mentally. But I also think that women need to stop being a victim and thinking, oh, if this would change or that would change or he'd do this or he'd do that. And it, think about all you can do. Um, I think prayer is so powerful. And I used to not. I didn't give it much thought and I've been rewarded. I think um, I don't want to say rewarded. That's the wrong word, but at some times that were very dark in my life and my mindset, God has come through on some things big with prayer that uh, he's given me signs to continue on or to uh, keep seeking him. And I think if you pray that for your marriage, not, not that your husband change or this change or that change, but that your marriage be strong and that um, you pray for your husband in love and continue to do that daily and pray for yourself, that your heart be changed, that you can grow together. I, he, he answers those prayers. And I think you just have to want that. First of all, don't, don't, don't just worry about it, but pray about it and pray that it gets better and want it to get better and want it to be the best it can be. And I think that's, I think that's more powerful than people give it credit for because it's, it doesn't give you an immediate maybe result, Man. but it sure does pay off. That's so good. Gosh, so good. So if you're listening today and there's anybody in your life that's at that point and struggling, uh, frustrated in their marriage, or maybe you're there, um, take that advice that Maggie just said to heart, because that is so good. Yeah. And um, if we could all do that, man, pray for our spouse in love and pray that God change us in that process. Thank you guys for using your platform. Yeah. Thank you for, for dedicating your heart and setting your eyes on Christ and using that, because it's... I can only imagine it's affecting a lot more people than you would even realize. Yep. And thanks yeah. for sharing your hearts with us. It People yeah. needed that hope. It's increasingly dark times that we're living in, and they needed that hope. And so thank you for being willing to share. So yeah, great. Yeah, appreciate you having us. It's awesome. Thank you. So thank great. You. Well, man, that's all we got today. And uh, listen, look for great things from Lucas in the future, whatever that is, whatever God leads him to. And uh, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, then head on over to Facebook and Instagram and give us a follow. Have a great week.